David Hershkovitz, and you're listening to Light Culture, brought to you exclusively by Burb, where cannabis clothing and culture intersect. Based in Vancouver, Canada, Burb strives to build on the city's legacy of cannabis tolerance and its gift to the world, BC Bud. Follow us on Instagram, at ShopBurb, and subscribe to this podcast at shopburb.com forward slash lightculture. Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Light Culture. Today, my guest is R.D. Whittington, a.k.a. At Wires Only. If you're not one of his 400K IG followers, then you might not recognize the name of a man who carved a niche for himself as a purveyor of luxury automobiles, most notably to a wealthy clientele that includes some of Hollywood's biggest names and biggest bank books. He sold some for more than two million bucks. Okay, how much is a Honda again? Anyway, as his tag suggests, at wires only is for people who are willing to make wire transfers on the spot to secure high horsepower cars, typically imported from Europe in limited quantities, sometimes based exclusively on an IG post. R.D. has been in the exotic automotive sales business for 20 years. His clients include people like Jamie Foxx, Floyd Mayweather, Leonardo DiCaprio, ASAP Rocky, Future. It's kind of like a who's who, Hollywood and, and hip hop. R.D., welcome to Light Culture. David, thank you very, very much for having me. It's great to have you on. So you must be a great salesman, obviously, right? But car dealers are not among the world's most trusted individuals, you, you know, you, probably right up there with lawyers and politicians. <laughs> so what's your secret sauce? <laughs> you know, the, the, the secret, you know, it has nothing to do with sales. Dealing with our clients, they can buy from anybody, anywhere, at any time. When, and when money is not an object, they're, they don't need to be sold. They already know what they want. The key is listening and providing customer service and a personal touch. That's what they care about. Not only just making sure the car is okay, making sure everything is okay throughout the entire process. Uh, you make it sound easy though. It's, it's, you know, it's very, very difficult. <laughs> Which part, the listening or the customer service? <laughs> A lot of these guys and gal customers, you know, they operate all hours of the night. We get into the office, say, 7 or 8 a.m. They get into the office at midnight. You know, they're just getting to the studio or just getting ready to head to the studio or they're traveling. They could be in Europe. So you, when you get that call, it could be at 5 a.m., it could be at 3 a.m., and you just have to be ready to take it. It sounds like these are impulse purchases to some extent, right? They don't like, you know, like if I go interested in the car, I'll spend weeks and months like, you know, researching everything. And I have an Audi, which is a nice car, but it's nothing like what you're selling. So do they, you know, already have an acquaintance with the car? Are they knowledgeable in general about these vehicles? Usually they're pretty knowledgeable when it gets to um, these requests. Some people, you know, don't have time. Guys like you will say, hey, I need an Audi. I want a Q7 for my wife. I don't have time to go to the dealer. I don't have time to look online. I don't even have time to talk about it again. Just bring me a new black one 
gassed up, deliver it to my home or office, you know, put a bow on the front for my wife. So we have those requests. And what separates us from a lot of other brick and mortar stores is you don't ever have to come in. You just simply drop a DM, a text, an email, or a call, and, and we bring it to your front door. It's kind of a door-to-door service. And how long does the process typically take? Talk about processes. I've done them, you know, in a couple of hours. I've done them in three or four months. It, it all depends on how big the purchase is, who the client is, what they're after, and what, the, what that search entails. Oh, so you don't necessarily even have the car sometimes. They'll just have a request for something. Yeah, we get the craziest requests in the world. We, we may have it, we may not. But what we do provide is a service to locate any car or plane or yacht anywhere in the world. We'll, we'll help you track it down. We'll make sure that you get the right buy and we'll educate you on what that buy needs to look like and how it needs to happen so everyone's protected. But you, you also said plane and yacht. So what percentage of the business is mostly cars, I assume, right? It's mostly cars. I've been flying my whole life. I've started flying probably when I was 11, 12 years old. I used to fly with my dad. And I've always been fascinated with planes. And when, the, when there was a, a tax break that came out that you can depreciate an aircraft year number one of purchase, bonus depreciation. So if you buy a plane for 5 million bucks and you have a $5 million uh, tax bill, you can write that airplane off year number one. It used to be over seven years. Once that bonus depreciation kicked into place, a lot of our clientele that were purchasing high-end cars also needed that tax break. So I started to educate myself on that and mention it to certain customers. And I sold probably 11 uh, heavy jets. I just sold a Gulfstream G4 SP that I actually picked up in New York after Rolling Loud. We went. We took a helicopter over to Teterboro, picked it up in Teterboro, and flew it home after the festival and delivered it to a customer. That was a crazy story. But once you can write off an airplane, that's when people really started to step up in aviation purchases. You mentioned your you flew with your father, and I know you come from a family of car people including Indianapolis 500 participants and a 24-hour Le Mans winner, right? Yes. What was yeah. that like? How, how does, that, tell me a little bit about all of that. No one was really in the car business in my family other than my grandfather. They were all into real estate and aviation and racing. And we grew up around racing and racing carts and dirt bikes and enduro and my love for cars started at a very, very early age. My family's raced in the Indianapolis 500 together, three brothers, my dad and his two uncles. And my two uncles also won the Mons in 79. So they're a bunch of really, really good drivers that, you know, love cars as well. And you never wanted to go in that direction necessarily? You know, I did. I did. It's a lot of fun. I raced carts for a while. And then, you know, my passion just fell more towards being in the automotive business. So I went with that, uh, went with that full time. Plus it's obviously, you know, it's very expensive. 
<laughs> that shouldn't be a problem for you. It yeah. sounds like you're doing pretty good. Yeah. But do you still like to drive fast? Is that still part yeah. of the culture for you? Is, still you know, love to drive fast. Still, still love getting in a car and starting the engine and you know smelling the exhaust and getting behind the wheel and being able to drive on the open road is just you know it's just one of my passions. Do you get a lot of speeding tickets? <laughs> no, you know I've been knock on wood. You know I've been been lucky. I haven't had any. Speeding tickets lately. Wow. It was going too fast, man. They, they can't even see you. Yeah. <laughs> I know you opened a, a, a brick and mortar, what you called it, um, in L.A. now, right? And you started in, in Arizona. And uh, I was curious about how, how does that work, the, the store experience? Could I just walk in and start asking questions about cars and get the same kind of attention as some celebrity or obviously not. <laughs> that would be Dave. Yes, of course you can. <laughs> of course I'll set up a private tour just for you. I love it, man. I'm going to take you up on that. A hundred percent, but that's a great question. You know, we're, we're appointment only. Um, you just send us a DM uh, or an email or an inquiry and we try to answer that response and get you in as soon as possible. And do celebrities haggle over money as well? Of like a mm. couple of hundred K, do you oh, have to bargain? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They haggle, they trade, barter. I mean, whatever you can think of, they work a deal just as hard as a as a, a normal client. I mean, sometimes harder actually. What, like for example, any? I mean, you don't. Need uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can. They I can, could name names if you want, but I can give you an example of a, a good friend of mine, Scott Disick. Who I think is also from New York, yeah. bought uh, bought a Rolls Royce. He, he bought a 2019 Rolls Royce Phantom from me for about four hundred and fifty thousand. And we were we were waiting for the wire to come in, and the car was being delivered. And he worked on me for about six months. He's a great guy. He's a huge car collector. Has a big collection. And when the car was being delivered. He was, I think, 50 grand short. And he goes, well, I, I know you, you, you've got a new house and you want to get into art. So I want to trade you some paintings <laughs> and I want to throw in the paintings in my trade-in. I want to put a couple of paintings in the back and see if you like them and we can, uh, we can work out a deal. And I said, Scott, you just send the money. I don't really need any paintings. And so he ended up sending the money, but he left some of the money off and he included one of the paintings and he put the painting in the trunk of his trade-in. So when the trade-in got to my office, I opened the trunk and there was a <laughs> painting in the back, the back of the trunk. So there's all kinds of interesting, you know, trade-in crazy uh, bartering deals that take place. It's pretty Did funny. you like the painting? I did. Yes, I did like the painting. And he, he, he did it more for sport, you know, to sure. To, uh, just to fuck with you. Yeah, just to fuck with me. And he did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned art. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is these cars. You know, it's not that un different in some respects from actually buying a piece of art. Even though, you know, you might say it's like $2 million. What the fuck? That's kind of crazy. But people spend that for art all the time, right? And, you know, one of the reasons they do that is because it's, it's kind of an exclusive product. 
maybe not the only one when it comes to a car, but there aren't that many and very few that are actually available. In these days, when especially when you're very wealthy, you want to have something that's yours. So when you buy a you know, Basquiat painting, nobody else has it, right? Unlikely right. to have that painting. So do, do, you, do you think cars are, in that respect, like artworks that you're selling? 100%. When you get into these limited cars, like Basquiat paintings, they are numbered. And there's like a La Ferrari, for example, means the Ferrari in Italian. It's a thousand horsepower hypercar that was made in 2014 to 2015. There was only 499 of those cars made. And they are very, very special cars. And those cars are all numbered. So, you know, no one has the same exact LaFerrari, and they're all very, very rare. and So it's very similar, very similar, and they have great collectability. Typically, when you drive a car off the lot, you know, lose half its value right away. But with your cars, is that the, the case as well, or do they hold their value? Do they actually increase in value? Some of the cars can lose value, and some of the cars increase in value. You just need to know kind of what exactly you're looking for, uh, what kind of an investment you want to make, when to make the investment, and how long to hold the car for. Some of them can go up, you know, some of them double in price. I, I sold a car recently that was double in price, and it it's just knowing what to buy and, and when to buy it. Which car was that? So I just sold a LaFerrari, um, a yellow LaFerrari, and this is pretty big client. This is Jay Balvin. And, you know, he's a huge recording artist, Latin world. And, and he performed at Super Bowl. Very big guy, very good client. He just purchased a LaFerrari for 3 million bucks. Um, the original window sticker on that car was 1.5. So he got a good deal at one point they were closer to 4 million. And so he bought it, uh, he bought it for three. So that was double the price. That was double the original price. Wow. So how, how big is this world of yours that, uh, of potential clients, potential clients, is that growing exponentially or is it just like small group of, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand people? It really started to grow, David, with Instagram and social media really helped take it to the next level because everyone is on their phones. People are either shopping or looking online or on Instagram and they see that car or they see that post or they see that picture and they send a message and it's, it's constant growing. I think we started our Instagram with, let's see, a couple years ago with, we didn't have that many followers. We really weren't focusing on it. It had only had 40,000 followers, I think, when I really started to take it serious. And I posted a couple different very expensive cars and the deals closed on it's through Instagram to new customers. And that's when I really started to see the impact that social media had on business and how serious it was. Did you, were you amazed? And what was your reaction? I was amazed. I was amazed. I had a, you know, a team that runs the social media for, for the account. And one day they, 
we had a Rolls Royce in stock and that Rolls Royce was pulling out of the showroom. And all we did was a quick little Instagram story of that car pulling out. At the time, it was like a $700,000 car. And we received a direct message and the message said, hey, is that Rolls Royce? Is that the new Rolls Royce? Is that the new Phantom? And it just so happened to be a new long wheelbase Phantom, one of the first ones in the country. They turned the message over to me. I got in contact with that customer. He ended up trading in a $2.5 million car that we sold for a little bit over $2.5 million. And he bought a $700,000 car. So this was over a $3 million deal done off a lead that came in on social media. That's when I really said, wow, you know, Instagram has my attention. This isn't just for pictures. This isn't just for networking. You can make a large business transaction through this opportunity of advertising through Instagram. But not only that, you are yourself a kind of the star of all those Instagram videos, right? Yeah, I didn't... I didn't used to be, and I was <laughs> never, I was never on Instagram. I never posted a picture, or told them to post a picture of my face or took any pictures with uh, clients and posted them. But, you know, Jamie Foxx is one of my best friends, uh, a guy I owe a lot of credit to. And he said, Hey man, he said, it's time for you to come out and uh, put your face in, in front of your company and tell people about what you do. You work with so many people and it's so fascinating. You have such a deep reach throughout, you know, if it's rock or if it's hip hop or if it's movies or if it's athletes, you have all contact with all of these people and people are fascinated with celebrities and what they buy. And I think it would be a good time for you to focus on that. I think it would help your business. And I was like, no, Jay, you know, I don't really want to do that. And he was like, trust me. He goes, I got your back. Give it a shot. And I, I did. And I kind of did it, you know, not thinking that it would take off. And then it, it kind of took off. And, you know, I think we've got close to 400,000 followers now. Yeah. Well, I guess he, he knows, you know, he can recognize talent when he sees it. And yeah, he, he knows he, a thing or two. <laughs> right. And he uh, was able to uh, identify that something within you that would project, uh, you know, in the media on and obviously it worked. Uh, I noticed on, on the account that there's, there's one of the posts is actually Jamie Foxx doing an impression of you. Yes. That was, the, <laughs> what that did you was, think of that? That was yeah. pretty funny, man. I, <clears throat> we received more calls about his impression than, than any of the other posts. And it was so funny, such a talented guy. And he just cracks me up. So I was telling the owner of the facility that was in that's in the new showroom that we have in in California, and I was talking throughout the process of leasing the property through the owner. I was telling him, you know, I have clients like Jamie Fox, and you know, I don't know if he really believed me on what I was telling him. <laughs> and I was like, no, sir, this is what I do. These are my clients, and he was, you know, older, uh, very wealthy gentleman, and I think he he kind of just shrugged me off. So the day that we got the keys and the owner was there doing the handover with, with the brokers, the garage door was open and Jamie comes flying into the garage door in a Lamborghini and he jumps out and he starts doing the impression and, you know, congratulating <laughs> about the new space. And the owner goes, wow, wow, was that Jamie? I, I can't believe it. it's Jamie Foxx. 
I said, I told you, you didn't believe me. <laughs> and then Jamie started doing the impression and everybody, everybody started rolling and uh, laughing. It was, it was hilarious. What, was that a setup? Did you plan that? No, I just told him, I no. said, Hey, when, when you rap, cause he was, he was shooting, he's got a killer show coming out on Netflix and he was working on that show. And he said, as soon as I rap, I'm going to shoot over and see the new place when you get your keys. And I said, great. I sent him the address. And so it just so happened to be the owner was still there and he came in while he was there. So it was, it was pretty funny. So how did you guys meet? How does uh, that relationship develop? We met through some of his very close friends that were interested in cars. And one of the guys coached in Arizona on the, uh, on the, one of the basketball teams. And he said, Hey, you got to come with me to Vegas. You got to meet Fox and his camp. You know, you guys will, you, you will hang out and you guys will have a lot in common. It was originally through Mike Miller, uh, which who's a basketball player played for the right. heat and the Cavs. It was through someone in his camp that made the introduction to the coach and the coach made the introduction to Fox's camp. And we've been friends We've been friends ever since. And were you already connected in the way you are now with the whole scene, or was that the beginning of all of that? Do you know, it, that's a good question. In when I first opened up in Scottsdale originally, I was in airplane hangers, and the airplane hangers were on a live taxiway. And, you know, <laughs> I, could, I, I couldn't afford a new big dealership, and I didn't want to be, like, on the side of a, a road, you know, with balloons bumping up and down like a, a, a used car, a, a used car buy here, pay here a lot. So I needed something sexy. I needed something, you know, discreet. So there was a gentleman in Arizona that had three killer airplane hangers. And through his assistant, I was able to strike a deal to get the airplane hangers. Now he had a Gulfstream. He kept his Gulfstream in the middle and the, air, the other two airplane hangers on the side were vacant. So he was, he was nice enough. He said, you know what? These aren't for cars. I would rather sell fuel to someone that has an airplane. And um, you can, I'm going to put airplanes in here, not cars. But finally, he gave me a chance. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. Give me a cool car to drive. So I gave him a Ferrari. You know, he drove it for the weekend. He goes, man, that, that, was, that was amazing. I'm going to do the deal with you. So I, I get my desk, my file cabinet. I get my license. I, I'm open for business. And Maxim Magazine came to town and they were looking for a place to do their Super Bowl party, the Maxim Magazine Hot 100 party. And it was between my hangers and the Talking Stick Casino. And they came, a friend of mine brought Maxim to my hangers and they said, it's between your venue and one other venue. But we're going to have, you know, at the time it was, you know, ludicrous. It was sponsored by Dos Equis. It was sponsored by Dodge. Steak and Shake, if you remember. And it was a really, Johnny Walker, it was a really big deal, like multi-million dollar budget party. So I knew that every celebrity and star for Super Bowl was going to come to this party. So they're like, well, we don't know if we can use your place because the taxiway is live. So I flew to New York and I went to Maxim, Maxim's office, which I think was on Madison or fifth, somewhere in that area. I walk in the front door and they're like, holy shit, what are you doing here? I said, I don't care what it takes. I got to have this party. And also they were renting the, the facility for a big dollar amount. 
and they were giving me a table and they were letting me help facilitate it all. They said, okay, if you can get the taxiway closed down, you can get the party. So I had to go to every hangar owner on the taxiway and ask them to sign a petition to shut down the taxiway for the night. Then I turned that into the FAA and the FAA says, you know what? Great. You can do the party. I called Maxim in New York. I said, guys, I got the permit to shut down the taxiway that goes to a live runway. Well, how did you, conv- how did you convince him to sign it? Did you have to pay I went to every I went to every airplane owner and I said, guys, the hottest party of Super Bowl. I got <laughs> tickets and everybody in, the, in your company. And these were big companies, Sun State Equipment, you know, big companies that you would know. They had hangars with airplanes in there. These were their company in private planes. But they all agreed because I, I told them I would give them all tickets, which I did. So I end up getting the party. My office turns into a green room. You know, the middle hangers where the runway was and the, the fashion show and Axum models and all these artists performing. And in my office, you know, at one time I had, you know, Snoop, Ludacris, you know, Bieber, Lil Wayne, Fox, all of these people. And everyone was calling to get in through the back door. So all these celebrities, I started to get all of their numbers because they weren't going through the front. They were coming through the green room because the other celebrities were saying, hey, come to the back. This is where we are. All of a sudden, three GMC, like Denali's pull up with NFL logos on the side. And I get a call from the security that was running the event. They're like, hey, Paul McCartney is here. Oh, nice. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I hung up on and they called me back again, and it was a guy with a British accent, and it was his security. And I go to the back, and they said, Paul McCartney's son wants a table. I said, great, where is he? They said, this is him. I said, where's Paul? You know, and he rolls down the window and gets out of the car. At that point, I had everyone's contact. Anyone who was anybody at, that came to Super Bowl, I had their cell phone number. So I took care of a lot of people, and they said, listen, when this is all over, we appreciate your hospitality. Call us when you come to LA. We'll take care of you. We'll show you around. So I started to go to LA and I would take these lunches and dinners and I really started to meet everybody. And that was, you know, along, along with Jamie, this was prior to meeting Jamie. That was one of the things that helped, that helped kickstart uh, the celebrity clientele. Yeah, wild story. How old were you then? Um, probably, let's see, probably 32. You talked about it as, you know, it's like hospitality. And I know that that's actually was the direction that you were interested in at one point because you went to the Ritz-Carlton Hospitality Training Program, which is very selective, obviously not for everyone. Is that something you've worked into your whole way of, of, of being with your company now and as back then as well? You know, I learned so much. I had a, a mentor named Mike. Adams, who was very big into the hotel business and the customer service industry. And he taught me a lot of with Rich Carlton, serving ladies and gentlemen, about personal touch. And I actually was in the hospitality, running a resort for, I think, three years. And what I learned is if I knew that you were coming and you liked, you know, a, a certain type of champagne, I would have that you know, 08 Dom P in your room when you arrived. If you had dogs, I would have, you know, dog treats and dog bowls. If you always had a late checkout, I would make sure that you had a late checkout. And I really learned what customer service meant. 
dealing with guests and being around those guests all the time. So what I saw is that the, the car business really was missing that customer service and that personal touch. So I took what I learned in hospitality and along with the work ethic because it was very, very hard. You know, I used to come in at 7 a.m. and leave at 11 p.m. And I would have two breaks and one break for lunch. I would work seven days a week. And then I got down to working six days a week. So I could leave on Saturday night at 11 p.m. And I had to be back Monday at 8 a.m. So that's when I really started to fly. And I would fly from Colorado, where the, where the resort was, to Scottsdale. And I, it would be snowing in Colorado and it would be sunny in Scottsdale. And I'd noticed there was, you know, a lot of car auctions. It was a big car town. The weather was beautiful. They had a Mastro's here, one of the original Mastro's steakhouses. And I, I just fell in love with the place. And I, I took the hospitality background in training uh, that I learned about customer service and personal touch. And I applied that to the business. So Scottsdale, I mean, I wouldn't think of it as a luxury car mecca necessarily, is it? And are there other cities in the country that are not LA? Where are the biggest markets for for your kind of cars? The biggest market definitely is Southern California. Yeah. 100%. People spend a lot of time in cars. Everyone wants a nice car. The car culture in, in SoCal is, is huge. You know, there's a car meet every week of some kind somewhere. And it's, uh, it's the real deal there. In Scottsdale, there's auctions. You got to remember there's RM auction, auto auction. There's Barrett-Jackson. There's Meekum. Um, there's Sotheby's. There's all kinds of different auctions that take place during January that are all, all car-based uh, so it's a very big, big car town. I didn't know that. Where is there anywhere else in the country that has that? You know, Florida is a pretty big has a pretty Florida. big call. Yeah, yeah, Florida, Miami Arizona, particularly Miami, yeah. Miami. Yes, South Florida, Miami, Texas. You know, Houston, Dallas, mm-hmm. big car places. So if if I uh, you know if I made an appointment to come to your showroom and I, and you were kind enough to show me around. So can you give me sort of like an audio tour of your showroom, how you would talk about the cars and what would you tell me? Assuming that I didn't have a car in mind, I'm just like, Oh yeah, let me see what you got. Could tell me what, what, what you would sure, you, be saying. You, you pull up to the facility. Um, you know, we, we have a big, gate in front of the property and that that gate opens and then we have a huge glass roll-up door uh it's about 14 feet tall and you come in through that roll-up door and there's memorabilia and cars checkerboards and checkered flags and um you know ferrari surfboards and stuff all over the wall it's very very cool and you come in and there's 30 of the rarest cars that you ever see and as we would go along the aisles, I can explain and, and I would tell you about each car and a, kind of a story about each car. And, you know, right now we've got a couple of Bugattis in stock. One of them is a Mansuri Bugatti. Uh, the, the body kit for that car made in Germany was a million dollars when it was new just for the kit on the car, which is pretty rare. It's one of two. Then there's a Bugatti right next to it that French Montana actually just purchased 
And then if you go around, you've got a Mercedes 6x6 Brabus 700, which is actually a six-wheel uh, Mercedes SUV that looks a cross between the G-Wagon and the tank. And I would take you around and, and show you each car, and we would get in them, start them, turn them on. You would get the feel and see what best suits you. Yeah, so I can't wait. Going to bring my son, who really is a car nut. He would really appreciate and know what you're talking about. So I hope I can do that one day. You can. The next question, really, that I wanted to bring up has a lot to do with, you know, mobility of people today. You know, we can't really move around. We're in the middle of this whole COVID-19 situation. And it's kind of ironic in one respect because the car is the safe place in a way. And I notice a lot of people just going to cars for a ride because that's the, the safest way to leave the house. Has that been an impact on, on you uh, right now? Are you still doing business in the middle of all of this? Or how, how do you feel about the whole situation? We are. Number one, we've been trying to help out as much as possible. We, we did a mask giveaway couple nights in a row where we just gave out masks at one of our facilities. And then we were working with, a, we teamed up with a charity, My Friend's House. I just want to give them a big shout out, My Friend's House charity in, in Los Angeles, where we go down to Skid Row and we feed uh, the needy every Wednesday um, with my friend Rodney, who's uh, one of very, Jamie Foxx's very close friends. And that's a very, very cool charity that's focused on helping out the needy. So we've been able to use these tools of the cars, you know, and they tie everybody together and it gives us an opportunity to help out during this crazy time. But we also, you know, we sell cars to not only to celebrities, you know, which is great. Finding the very rare car for a celebrity, it's, it's a lot of fun. But we also sell cars to moms and doctors, all kinds of different people that are in, uh, in healthcare and uh, lawyers and, and all kinds of different fields. So it's been, it's, it's still been busy for us. Transportation is still required. You know, people need to take food. They need to take masks. Uh, they need to transport family members and, and different tasks to, to help out. And the, and the cars are, the, the key point that can help do all of those things. So we've been, we've been very, very busy still. And as far as, you know, you're aligning culturally with your clients in the more celebrity, you know, hip hop uh, generation, is that a natural thing for you or how uh, do you feel comfortable in that environment? I, I do. You know, it, it, it's kind of crazy. I've always been a fan of hip hop music and grew up listening to it and, we started to work with all of those stars that we grew up watching and, and listening to and listen to today. So it was very cool to, to have that opportunity. One of our first guys was Ray J and then we worked with Chris Brown and he bought, you know, 11, 12 cars. One of our best clients we've got little, we've done all of little pumps, cars, his whole team, you know, future bought six or seven cars from us and, in one shot. So we get to work with all of these people who, who you hear about and, and listen to. And it's a cool experience. It's a lot of work, but late it's, nights. it's a lot of late <laughs> nights. You, you know, the deal. That's a lot of late nights, a lot of, uh, you know, studio, studio deliveries, a lot of quality time, a lot of festivals, tours. Um, 
you really have to build the bond with people and people think, well, you're just hanging out. Well, actually, no, you, you have to get to know someone and they need to be comfortable with you. You have to be comfortable with them and then you can start to build that relationship and then you can start to do business. And that's what people got to understand. There's hours and hours and hours that go into these relationships in order to do the first deal. You've kind of have to go through the uh, process. And you can't really fake it either, right? I mean, no. you have to actually be there, feel it. You're, you're in it. Yeah, you're in it 100%. Because they'll, they'll know right yeah. away. <laughs> they'll know right away. You got to be tapped in. And uh, it's, some, it's some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I got to work with Playboy Cardi on, with, on his whole album, Whole Lot of Red, which is highly anticipated, which is getting ready to release hopefully soon. Um, you know, I was with him during a lot of that process in Florida. He's one of my clients and, and uh, closest friends. And uh, you get to see, you know, the whole process from start to finish of what it's like from, you know, going on tour to making a hit, hit record. And uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's a lot of work. I have a big respect for anyone in the entertainment business because it's no joke. Yeah. How do you feel about electric cars? You know, I, I like something that you can you can put gas in and hear the and hear motor. And the, the roar of the engine, right? <laughs> and, and hear the, the engine roar. But, you know, a lot of these new hypercars are um, they're hybrids, which they're gas motors uh, and electric motors combined, which I'm a huge fan of those because they've got amazing horsepower and they're super fast. But I don't have any just uh, straight electric cars, but they're they're cool. They're very popular. What do you drive? Do you have a personal car or do you just try? You know, whatever has gas, whatever has gas in it. Give me the keys, I'm out. Yeah, whatever has gas in it, whatever's not sold. You know, one of my my favorite cars is the the Rolls-Royce SUV, the Cullinan. That's a great, that's a great car. I'm driving one of those today. And I like the new Ferrari F8 Tribito, uh, which means tribute in Italian. That's a very cool car as well. It just came out. So what makes like for you, so someone who's really sampled and knows these cars intimately, what makes a great car for you in your mind? You know, because there's all these great cars you're surrounded by, right? Yeah. And I think it has to go two ways. So, you know, you have that car, what, what really ties people together in cars is you have that car that you grew up, you know, wanting or, or watching, or, you know, your grandma or your grandfather's car, you got in, you smelled this cologne, if it was a Cadillac or if it was a Porsche, and it brings back that memory. And that's that car, or that's that time you were at the beach, or that's that time you were in on, on a road trip, and you want to you duplicate that memory, you want to get that car. Everyone has that special car they want to they achieve. And you have those type of cars that create those memories, that bring back memories. And then you have your cars that are comfortable or that are your daily use cars. You know, if you're going to be in the car for a long time, what, what's the highest and best use and is it going to fit, fit your needs? And then, you know, you just have the cars that are just for fun and, and collector's cars. Uh, one of your clients, I believe was Kobe Bryant. We bought a lot of cars from Kobe, you know, God rest him and a, condolences to his family super super nice guy one of the nicest guys i've ever met one of the most talented and hardworking guys i've ever met and we used to buy some of his cars when when he was ready to sell them yeah he was a, he was a great guy oh so he was a big collector as well 
Yeah, he he always had a, he always had some very cool cars. He was a Ferrari guy also. So so typically, do people actually drive these cars long distances, or is it just something to take you know around the block, or just in a you know driving in L.A. or do they go on road trips? How do people use these? Some people go on these crazy rallies from coast to coast and all over the world, like the Gumball Three Thousand, the Gumball Rally, which is you know all over from place to place, from country to country. Some people drive them to work. Some people drive them on the track. Uh, some people drive them just on the weekends and some people drive them every day. You know, it's uh, it's a huge, it's a huge culture. Well, it's an amazing story. Thank you very much, RD, for sharing it with us. I, you know, I would be a much more educated consumer now. So watch out. I may like be DMing you. Any questions you have, I'm happy, I'm happy to answer them. And uh, you always have you always have a friend in the uh, the car plane world if you ever That's need. Beautiful. Me. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to Light Culture, brought to you exclusively by Burb, where cannabis clothing and culture intersect. Please follow us on Instagram at shopburb. And subscribe to this podcast at shopburb.com forward slash light culture, as well as iTunes and all the regular distribution platforms. Mm-hmm.